0: And welcome to the Bible.book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at vab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Today we are beginning the fourth major prophet, which is Ezekiel. And we will look at the first three chapters, his calling from God. Before we get started, let's jump into our song of the books of the Old Testament with just the verse of the major prophets. Mm, Let us sing the major prophets, major prophets, major prophets. Let us sing the major prophets, the greatest of them all. Isaiah, Jeremiah, who wrote Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel, who are true to their God. As a quick reminder, the first five books of the Old Testament are called the books of Moses. Or if you said the law or the Torah or the Torah, you are right. The second group of books are called the books of... History! There are 12 of those books, and that begins with Joshua and ends with Queen Esther. Then there is another group of five books, which are called the Books of Poetry, which is Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. Now, these were songs, poetry, prayers, and stories of people during the time Of the first 17 books of the Bible. Now the Old Testament ends with two groups of prophets. These are prophets who were alive during the books of history and it fills in more details and more thus saith the Lord throughout the history of the Jews. We are in the major prophets and there are five of them. Isaiah, Jeremiah, who wrote Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. They are called major prophets because the books are usually longer. The Christian Old Testament ends with a group of 12 books called the minor prophets because they are usually small books. Now what makes Ezekiel and Daniel unique are that both of these men were in exile And they both lived in Babylon, yet God spoke to them there. Verse 1 of chapter 1 of Ezekiel begins, Now it came about in the 30th year, on the fifth day of the fourth month, while I was by the river Kedar, it's spelled C-H-E-B-A-R, among the exiles. The heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. Verses two and three seem to be someone else explaining on the fifth of the month in the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's exile the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Kadar and there the hand of the Lord came upon him. Just in case someone is just joining us, let me do a quick review of where we are in the timeline of the Jews. King Solomon was the last king of a unified Israel. After he died, the country split into the northern tribe of Israel and the southern tribe of Judah in 930 B.C. The northern tribe with its kings never, ever followed the Lord because the very first king set up idols in the northern territory so the people would not go down to Judah and worship in the temple of Jerusalem. The northern kingdom was wiped out by the Assyrians in 722 BC because of their sin. Most of the Jews were removed from the land and dispersed throughout non-Jewish nations. The southern tribe would go back and forth with good kings that followed the Lord in his way and then bad kings or evil kings that would not follow the Lord. Judah was in the middle of three world powers at the time, Egypt at the south and Assyria and Babylon in the north. When the last great king of Assyria died, Babylon got stronger. Egypt came up to the north to help Assyria fight off Babylon. Judah tried to defeat Egypt as they headed north, but the last good king of Judah, Josiah, was killed by the Egyptian king Necho in 609 B.C. As Egypt came running home because they lost against Babylon at the Battle of Carchemish, they tried to take over Judah, but it did not last long because Babylon with King Nebuchadnezzar came down and took over Judah. It was this time, 605 BC, that Babylonians took people from Judah, that first group of exiles, back to Babylon in the north. In this group was Daniel, our next prophet that we'll be looking at. The king of Judah tried to join forces with Egypt so that they would not have to pay tribute money to Babylon in the north. So Babylon came down again and took more Jews back to Babylon. And it was this group that King Jehoiakim, Ezekiel, and other leaders were taken north to Babylon in 597 B.C. Now, when we look at verse one of chapter one of Ezekiel, the question is the 30th year of what? It does not seem to be the 30th year of exile because that does not fit the timeline. For me, what makes the most sense is that it is referring to Ezekiel's 30th year of life, but please know that there is debate about what it means. If it does mean Ezekiel's age, then one thing of interest is that Ezekiel grew up in Judah and we learn in verse 3 that he was the son of the priest, the son of Buzi. So Ezekiel was trained to be a priest. In the Old Testament book of the law, Leviticus, in chapter 4, six times it stresses that a priest begins his job at age of 30. It seems safe to say that just as Ezekiel was about to start his priestly duties in the temple, he is removed and taken to Babylon. The Kedar River connects to the Euphrates and then the Tigris River flows into it and they all go to the Persian Gulf. So Ezekiel is over 500 miles away from Jerusalem. Ezekiel says he was among the exiles and he saw visions of God. The scribe wrote in verses 2 and 3 that it was also the fifth month in the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's exile. So around 592 BC. It was this time that the Lord called his trained priest to now be a prophet of the Lord. Ezekiel's name means God is strong or God strengthens, and we see that in his calling in these chapters. Just like we have seen with Isaiah and then with Jeremiah, these prophets brought forth the message of the Lord in various ways orally, such as Thus saith the Lord, as well as poetic discourse, meaning both in storytelling and in poetry. And they all used symbolic actions, which I called object lessons. Yet Ezekiel is known for his visions. We will find that these visions have two major themes. Prophecies of judgment and prophecies of restoration. One thing Dr. Betts said quite a few times in Old Testament class was, When we see a book or message of judgment, we must always look for the message of God's hope and restoration. Chapter 1 continues with Ezekiel telling us what he saw in his vision. With regards to visions, we can get scared in trying to understand them. Some people take every little thing and try to explain what each thing means. And to me, that can so quickly take away from the big picture of the vision. Some things I do want to point out to you is something like direction. For instance, verse 4 says that a storm is coming from the north. Well, where is Ezekiel? He is north of Jerusalem in Babylon. Guess who is north of Babylon? Yep, Persia. And we know that the Persians and the Medes overtake Babylon in 539 BC. Next, keep in mind there are descriptive words used to give human words to heavenly things. So we see, quote, like or, quote, resembling. And these words are used often such as in verse 26, something resembling a throne, quote. We also need to notice words that are repeated often. In this passage, the image of these beings went straight forward in verses 9 and verse 12, and we see that they do not turn in verse 17. And they went where the spirit was about to go, verse 12 and verse 20. And the spirit of the living beings was in the wheels, verse 20 and 21. Again, with direction, we see in verses 22, 25 and 26, a divine glory was over the creature's heads. And then the voice was above the expanse in verses 25 and 26. And this throne with the voice was high up, verse 26. Also, verse 26 says, and on that which resembled a throne high up was a figure with the appearance of a man. Again, it does not say a man. It says the appearance of a man. Verses 27 and 28 describe the man and his surrounding radiance. And then in 28b, he tells us what the vision represents. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And then Ezekiel tells us how he responded in 28c. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and heard a voice speaking. Remember when I said that we can get so overcome with the specific details that we can lose sight of the big picture? I did. I was reading C. Hassel Bullock's book, An Introduction to the Old Testament Prophetic Books. And on page 292, he is comparing Isaiah's vision of the Lord sitting on the throne and the train of his robe is filling the temple. And then Bullock says, here the throne is mobile moving with lightning speed across the sky supported and mobilized by four sets of gyroscopic wheels and flanked on all four sides by the cherubim with four faces end of quote the throne is mobile of course here is a prophet priest No longer by the temple, but hundreds of miles away. But God is still on his throne. And his throne can even be in Babylon because the Lord is with his people. Just like when the tabernacle traveled with the Jews before the temple was ever born. Where they are, so is he. I never got that before. And now it seems so obvious to me. In chapter two, we see that the Lord calls Ezekiel son of man. This phrase is used throughout the book around 40 times. Here with Ezekiel, it probably does not have any futuristic meaning. It basically means a human being, a person. Yet in the New Testament, Guess what Jesus' favorite words to describe himself were? Yep, the Son of Man. When the Jews heard Jesus use this reference to himself, they must have thought of Ezekiel. The Lord told this Son of Man, Stand on your feet and I will speak to you. The Spirit entered Ezekiel when the Lord spoke and set him on his feet. The Spirit entered strengthened him to stand in verse 3 of chapter 2 we see that the Lord sends the son of man to the children of Israel the Lord then described the children of Israel and he used the word rebellious six times and transgressed once in verse 5 the Lord says that this rebellious house they will know that a prophet has been among them He tells Ezekiel to not fear them. And then in verse 8, the Lord says, But you, son of man, hear what I say to you. Be not rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Then Ezekiel looks, and a roll of a book, which was written on both sides, was spread before him, and verse 10 tells us that on that book were lamentations, mourning, and woe. Chapter 3 continues with the Lord's command to Ezekiel to eat and fill his body with this scroll, and then eat and go speak into the house of Israel. So Ezekiel did eat it, and it was sweet as honey in his mouth. Now, just something to note. In the book of Revelation, the last book of the New Testament and the last book of the whole Bible, in chapter 10, verses 8 through 11, the apostle John was given a scroll to eat, and it was sweet as honey in his mouth, but in his belly it was bitter. And then the Apostle John was to prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. I mention that to just show you that again, the Old Testament and the New Testament are connected. And they do tell one story. Hopefully, as we continue to study the Old Testament It will help us to understand the New Testament better. In verses 10 and 11 of chapter 3, the Lord said to Ezekiel, Moreover, son of man, all my words that I will speak to you receive into your heart and hear with your ears and go to them in captivity unto the children of your people and speak unto them. The Spirit took Ezekiel up and Ezekiel went in bitterness. And in the heat of the Spirit. In other words, he was not real happy about this. But the hand of the Lord was strong with me. Verse 14. Then Ezekiel was with the exiles at Tel Abib by the river of Kedar, and he sat where they sat, and he remained there among them seven days. Chapter three continues that after seven days, the word of the Lord came again and said, son of man, I have made you a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, hear the word of my mouth and give them warning for me. A watchman would stand on the top of a walled city and keep on the lookout for enemies who would come and attack. And if they saw anything, they would cry out to the city. Here, the Lord warns Ezekiel that if the Lord tells him something to tell the children of Israel, and if he does not tell the people, then the Lord will hold both the people and Ezekiel accountable for their blood. But if he tells them what the Lord tells them to say, then Ezekiel has delivered his own soul. Chapter 3 ends when the Lord tells Ezekiel to go to the plain So he goes, and there he again sees the glory of the Lord as by the river of Kadar. And again Ezekiel fell on his face. Again the spirit entered Ezekiel and stood him on his feet. Now Ezekiel was to shut himself within his house and shut his mouth and bind it. But the Lord will again open his mouth, and when he does... Thus saith the Lord God, He that hears, let him hear, and he that refuses, let him refuse, for they are a rebellious house. Ladies, do you hear? Do you hear the Lord Jesus, the Son of Man and the Son of God? If yes, then obey. Let's be like Ezekiel. Let's not be like the rebellious house that refuses to hear and refuses to obey. Dr. Betts said in class, the greatest experience we could ever experience is knowing God. And what is so wonderful is that we have a God who makes himself known. And ultimately, he has made himself known in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. God wants you to know him, end of quote. Jesus says in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 8 and 9, When you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And then in 1 John, chapter 5, verse 13, John the Apostle writes, These things I have written to you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God, and that is Jesus. Do you know him today? Don't turn him away. Until next time, and thank you so much for listening.